This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, cannabis culture and snacks. Um, I think it comes from people now being able to see something that they weren't able to see before. And what's really fascinating to me about that as a photographer is that um, it's also a living organism. So it dies after, you know, you're done. And these are... Uh, oil glands. So like when you hear like sticky weed or something and you touch like cannabis and sticky, that's actually the oil glands bursting in your hands. And that's the oil getting over your fingers. You're never going to find like when you go to the grocery store, you're never going to find the aisle starts with chips. Then it goes Pringles. Then it goes to more chips. Pringles is always isolated on the sides of the chip aisle. Is it not? I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So in this episode, we want to take a look inside one of the United States' fastest growing industries. And this is really fascinating for me particularly because, look, I'm a guy who used to, to buy weed in a back alley and then smoke it out of an old pop can. So to, to see this sophistication and how much how much marijuana and cannabis has changed just in the last couple of years is amazing. Our first guest is a photographer who specializes in taking pictures of cannabis and marijuana. And these are amazing pictures. I had no idea that that's really what cannabis looked like. This is cannabis photographer Chris Romaine of Candid Kush. One quick note, we have to get really into photography at the beginning just to explain how it's even possible to take pictures of something this small. But even if that's not your main area of interest, stick with it. Because I think Chris has some fascinating insight into building a business, pursuing something that you're passionate about, and where the cannabis industry is going. Basically, what is marijuana photography? First, I would call it cannabis, and that is a part of trying to remove the stigma of the plant itself over, you know, the past, you know, however many decades of the war on drugs, right? And so cannabis photography, specifically, the photography style that I do is macro and extreme macro, and I use a technique called focus stacking. So that is the process of taking multiple images at different focal lengths to help reduce the depth of field that there is with macro photography. So are you familiar with photography at all, like terminology, aperture, shutter speed, things like that, depth of field? I have heard all of those words before, but they mean nothing to me. (laughs) Okay. So shutter speed is um, pretty straightforward, like the rate your shutter opens and closes. The aperture is kind of like your pupil, like it will dilate in a darker setting to allow more light in and go to a pinpoint to close off like more light, right? And so when you are in the process of macro photography, your working distance is really close to the subject. And that creates a very shallow depth of field, meaning that if 
we are focusing on the tip of a pen, the background and the surrounding areas will be rather blurred out and focused, right? Or out of focus. And so to help eliminate that fall off, you would take different images at different focal lengths and then combine them all later in post-processing. So a lot of the images that you would see on my pages are of trichomes. And the trichomes are the glands on the cannabis plant that house all the cannabinoids, like THC, CBD being like the primarily um, known ones, right? And these are uh, oil glands. So like when you hear like sticky weed or something and you touch like cannabis and sticky, that's actually the oil glands bursting in your hands and that's the oil getting over your fingers. As far as cannabis photography, when people ask me like, oh, like I couldn't imagine there being a cannabis photographer, like why, why do you take pictures of weed or this and that? Well, cannabis is just like any other commerce, right? And especially nowadays being in such a digital age and everybody just like looking online for their products and, you know, each state has different regulations about how you can see the product in the stores. And a lot of the times you're not able to smell, touch, or even like see the product. You just see it in its package. So that's why the photography aspect of it in the cannabis industry is so important. That is one of the things that kind of jumped out at to me, right? I was looking at some different cannabis photographers looking at your work, and I was very surprised to see that there seemed to be this massive following dedicated to cannabis photography. Where do you think that, where does that come from? Um, I think it comes from people now being able to see something that they weren't able to see before and not really having any idea that like, oh, wow, like that sea creature, that's cannabis, that's a plant, you know? And so if I back up a little bit, these trichomes average around 75 to 150 microns in diameter. So the average human hair is about 100 microns thick. If you think about that for a second, you can kind of see trichomes when you're looking at the plant with a bare naked eye. And maybe it kind of looks like grains of salt or sugar or something like that. And then when you see my images, like you're looking at it from anywhere from like a one, two, three, four or a five X magnification. So it's really like I'm able to show people things that they've never been able to see before. And what's really fascinating to me about that as a photographer is that um, it's also a living organism. So it dies after, you know, you're done or like while you're shooting, it's dying. And that's like one of the challenges of working with the plant is that oftentimes, well, pretty much for all of the trichome photography the plant has been, that particular cut has been taken from the plant. So now it is no longer attached to the main plant. So it has to be held in water or some other type of um, vessel to keep it like alive while I'm shooting. So what kind of camera are you using then? I'm imagining like you taking a picture with a microscope. How do you even see it? Like, how do you take the picture? What are you using to take the picture? I have so many questions about that. <laughs> I got the answers. Um, so really when it comes down to the photographic gear, and this is like a really common question too, is always like, what camera are you using? What lens are you using? And, you know, it does matter to a certain extent, you know, depending on like what your outcome is wanting to be. But as long as you have... Um, you know, a solid macro lens and a camera body, you'd be able to do macro photography. But the gear that I use is a Canon 5D SR, and that's a 50 megapixel camera. And then I do use some specialized lenses. Um, the one that I use for the trichome photography is called the 65 MPE. And that camera lens has the ability to capture from a one magnification to a five times magnification. And the working distance on that, meaning the amount of space in between the subject and the front of the lens is really, really small. Um, when you're at a 5X, it is, I don't know, like right off the top of my head, but maybe a centimeter or so away, two centimeters or so, just like really, really close, which creates challenges of its own, right? When doing photography, like allowing for light 
to enter the lens. Because if the subject is covering the front of the lens, you know, then you create a barrier basically for the light. Um, and then also with the art of focus stacking, I use an automated rail that I can input the starting point, the end point, how many, how often I wanted to take a picture. So like a step in between each frame. And oftentimes at a five times magnification, I will be taking a picture anywhere between five and 10 microns at a time. So it will take a picture and then usually wait a couple seconds because everything needs to be super stable. And then it'll advance forward about five or 10 microns, whatever I decide to put it in and then take the picture and then wait and then do it again and do it again and do it again until the entire focal length or focal plane is captured. Damn. That's <laughs> my whole response to all of that. It's like, damn, <laughs> right? Like I didn't honestly think that that would be nearly as complicated as that. Like I got an iPhone. Can I do this with an <laughs> iPhone? <laughs> right? Like it doesn't seem like you can do that very easily. But when, like when you're taking these pictures, what is it for the consumer or for the client? Like, what are you trying to capture in the photo? Um, you know, that's really um, a case by case, like situation, depending on like what the client wants. Um, uh, for instance, like when I do, if we're talking about just trichome photography, you're able to see a number of different things depending on if you know what you're looking for, right? Like you can tell the maturity of the plant by looking at the different colors of the trichomes. You can tell the health of the plant. You can tell um, a lot of different things like that. Like if you are a hash maker, you can see the size of the trichome heads, the size of the stalks, and get a good idea if those trichome heads would be able to break off to create hash. And hash is an extraction um, process, right? Or it is an extract. So you would just like essentially remove all the plant matter and only have those bulbous trichome heads. And then that would be hash. And then also it just serves as, you know, fine art. And like, it's a really beautiful plant. And I love like playing with compositions and giving the viewer like, an otherworldly or underworld experience when they're viewing my photography. Um, when it comes to stores and e-commerce photography, like if you think about like eBay or Amazon and everything being on like a seamless white background, that is really crucial to the menus on uh, for stores and having like a well-represented image of the product itself. Like, a nug shot, right? Like just like the picture of the bud. So you could see what you're going to buy. So when you're taking a picture, is the specific plant representative of the entire crop as a whole? Or are you picking out like the one good example? And to put that maybe in a clearer context, right? Like I can find one really good apple and take a picture of that really good apple but that doesn't mean the rest of the apples in that particular tree all look like that, right? Is, is, the, is the particular thing you're taking a picture of usually representative of everything else in that line? Does that yeah. make any sense? Yeah, no, that, that, that makes total sense. And okay, I okay. mean, I guess if you like take a step back and look at like food photography as a whole, um, oftentimes like the product that the photographer is taking a picture of may not even be edible. You know, they use like motor oil to mimic yeah. syrup and stuff like that. So from like a marketing advertisement standpoint, you would always want to grab like the best selection, you know? Um, so to answer your question, yes, I do choose a premium choice cut flower when I am at a farm or a facility. Um, it is representative of the entire crop. And that would be more based off of, you know, like the brand's reputation or so. Like if the brand has like a great reputation and I'm taking like a choice cut flower from it, people are generally not going to question like, oh, do they all look like that? Or does it not look like that? Um, 
because ultimately my client wants is hiring me to take the best picture possible to represent their product. Right. And I also do a number of different styles of photography. So I'll do like on the vine shots or whole room shots and everything like that to capture the entire like vibe of the facility or the farm. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Right. Is it, so it's not like, hey, you know, you go to a McDonald's and the picture on the menu is like, man, that looks good. And then you get this thing. And you're like, what the fuck happened here? This is clearly not this. This is clearly not the same thing. Um, yeah. How did you like how did you find how did you get into this? Is this something that you set out to do or is this something that happened? This is something that happened. And when I mean that, so I've been using cannabis my entire adult life. I'm 34 and I've been using it since I was like 2021. 20, and I've been involved in the arts and creative my entire life as well. I started doing photography in high school and worked or was practicing photography throughout my entire adult life, doing landscape photography, model photography all different types of photography and really wanting to like make it a profession, but really had no idea since everybody, since like iPhones were coming out and everybody was having a camera. And I was living in Las Vegas at the time in like 2009 to 2015, 14. And I moved to San Diego. When I moved to San Diego at that time, cannabis was medically legal in California and you could get your medical card online and order weed to your door same day. And I thought that was pretty mind blowing. And so I went on an app called Weed Maps, which is kind of like the Yelp for cannabis, right? And it has pictures and descriptions and menus and all these different things. You can hook up with like delivery drivers, everything. All the pictures were incredibly awful, just kind of looked like, you know, little turds or bugs or something like that. And I thought to myself that I could probably take better pictures in this you know, I'm just going to order from the nearest guy with the best ratings, order a few different types, take a picture, text him the pictures and be like, yo, um, could I get a free eighth for every picture? I help you build your menu. I start getting, you know, hooked up with herb and then I don't know, see, see where it goes. Right. And at the time there was another photographer. Um, his name is Eric and he goes by the uh, photographer Nug Shots. And um, I had had one of his books, uh, The Encyclopedia of Green, which is a really cool book to check out um, if you're interested in that. And uh, I was just blown away by his macro photography and everything like that. And that was um, my one reference and kind of resource to, you know, I'm taking all these pictures and I'm getting herb and my friends are smoking for free and, you know, everything's cool. But at the same time, I was working in a nightclub three nights a week in San Diego, a day club, and I was doing um, car product photography for the Audi there um, four days a week. And I was doing the cannabis photography and trying to like figure that out. You know, I didn't really know what focus stacking was at the time, and I couldn't quite figure it out, um, like how to get the images fully in focus. And we're just talking just the nugs of herb, nowhere near trichome photography yet. I was getting pretty burnt out, like being pulled from all ends, you know, with my hospitality jobs and the photography jobs. And that year I told myself, if I wasn't making at least 50% of my income from photography, I was going to go back to school again for like a radiation technician or something, you know, something stable that was kind of like photography and everything. And that year I did make more than 50% via the, you know, Audi gig and doing freelance photography. So. I decided that I did not want to be a 30-year-old bartender anymore, and I took the leap to move to Oakland because I was the mecca of cannabis, you know, probably in America, definitely in the West Coast, and see if I could be a cannabis photographer professionally up there. Um, I emailed every cannabis company, and two of them got back to me. One of them thanked me for my interest and said they had nothing available. The other one said that they were looking for a part-time photographer. And uh, it took about a couple months of interviewing, going back and forth, meeting them, talking to them about my skill sets and showing them my portfolio and everything like that. And then they sent me home 
with a bunch of herb and was like, basically show me what you got. Like we're looking for the trichome shots and this and that. And honestly, I didn't really know how to do the trichome shots at that time. And I didn't really know about like the focus stacking technique. Like I didn't have that dialed in. And so I went and rented a 65 MPE um, lens, uh, which is that one to five X lens. And I just crammed like all night and all day, just practicing, trying to get it down. I ended up buying, I researched and found out through like bug photography um, about focus stacking. And I got a manual rail where you would just like, where the camera attaches it to the, to the tripod and you would manually turn a little dial as like consistently as possible, like over and over and over all the way through the focal plane. Luckily, I did a good enough job and they hired me and I worked with that company for about three and a half years. And I started as a part time mini photographer and ended up working my way all the way up to an associate director of photography. I was wanting a change of pace and like different creative ventures um, after like being there for a while. And so I decided to resign and open up my own photography studio in Oakland. So I think the the natural kind of question there, the curiosity and can answer this however you want to, how much do you get paid? I guess like, what's <laughs> like, how is it a, is it a financially lucrative job? Are you scraping by like, um, how much I money would... do you make? <laughs> <laughs> um right now i am doing really good for myself um it has not always been that way it was a fucking grind and it was hard and it was like why am i doing this you know working with that company i was a salaried photographer which i'll just be upfront it was eighty thousand a year and then my and full benefits and then i also did freelance work on the side so i was clearing six figures and but i was working a lot like all day every yeah. day and it's like passion driven too so and that's like the thing about this is like yeah it's totally a job but i love what i'm doing and so it doesn't always feel like work um but it's definitely been a challenge um being paid what i value myself as and i think a lot of creatives um, deal with that. And it's not anything unique to being a cannabis specific photographer. Um, I think that I do make more probably as a niche photographer than like, say, like, I don't know, like a baby photographer or something like that. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I don't know what the word necessarily to use, right? Because I, I take edibles now. I smoke okay. weed when I was a teenager, that kind of stuff. But I come up from the generation, like, when I first walked into, like, a shop, I was like, just give me weed. Like, what? Do you, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, is, is it weed? Can you, can I have that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, like, the lingo that I'm supposed to be using necessarily. So okay, cool. feel free to correct me if I am wrong. Sounds but good. favorite cannabis that you ever photographed? Hmm. like variety or strain or whatever the the right word is is that i'm supposed to be using yeah yeah a strain variety cultivar i think all of those would work um you know that's like a really hard one because throughout the years as just i get better as a photographer like my favorite images like change you know um this last year in california hopland california um kind of by ukiah like central Men like central mendocino i guess um one of my clients essentia gardens they have i think 12 to 14 different cultivars in their library and they have some really cool looking flowers and what i mean by that is just like the colors are really amazing like extreme deep purples like right next to like neon greens and everything like that. I find that stuff really fascinating. A few years ago, um, I photographed some cannabis. I believe it was called Rose Lemonade. And it had pink polka dots in the trichome head, which I found pretty amazing. So when you take these pictures, right? Like, does, does the cannabis really look like that? Or are you making it 
look like that. Does that make sense, right? Like if I looked at this with my eye and I had Superman vision and could see this, would it really look like that? Or is it the lighting and the editing and the camera? Or does it really look like that? So in short, yes. Um, But remember, like lighting changes everything. If you really understand lighting and you know how to shape and everything like that, you can bring out more three-dimensional looks and like color highlights depending on like if you're shining like a backlight to create like a halo or a rim, it really changes colors. As far as the editing process, no, I don't like bump the saturation and the vibrancy. Of course I do do touch-ups to make the image look like really nice and pristine. I'm more of a purist when it comes to product photography because the customer, like they're buying something based off that image, right? And so if the weed looks purple and then they get it and it's like brown, you know, that's, well, I don't even think that's like morally right, but like, you know, it's just, it's not accurate at all. What is your favorite weed that you have used, but that does not photograph particularly well? <laughs> like, ooh, it's kind of <laughs> ugly, but it's really good. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I guess it's super subjective because I myself am really into organic seed grown full term cannabis grown outdoors. So cannabis grown from seed in the ground for the entire year outside. And then the another style is like indoor cannabis where the environment is extremely controlled and the plants have a different structure and everything like that. A lot of people find the indoor cannabis more aesthetically pleasing than outdoor cannabis because outdoor cannabis uh, faces the elements, right? I love outdoor cannabis and it doesn't always photograph the same as indoor cannabis. Um, So I would say that, but as far as like a specific cultivar, um, I'm pretty big into like OGs and I guess that those are just more green and like kind of tree shaped. So, but that could be like really beautiful to somebody as well. So I guess it's just so subjective. Coolest person you've met doing this. Oh man. (sighs) Coolest person I've met. I would, I would say to answer that question it's not about the coolest person I've met. It's about the coolest opportunities I've had. I've got to hang out with like Kyle from slightly stupid Don Carlos, um, a reggae artist, you know, shooting their cultivars of cannabis. Um, I've got to meet some really important people in the cannabis industry, um, you know, from breeders to iconic activists like Ed Rosenthal. Um, It's enabled me to travel the world and like, you know, go to Morocco and Barcelona and just meeting anybody honestly involved in cannabis and creating that bridge has like been just like mind blowing to me. This is the last question we had. Where do you think, how has the industry changed And where do you think it's going? And that can be the cannabis photography industry or just the industry as a whole. Ooh. Um, So the industry as a whole is like a really big rabbit hole that I would prefer not to talk about. But cannabis photography, um, that, I mean, has changed so much just in the past few years from, you know, shops having their bud tenders or their buddy just taking a picture with an iPhone to hiring people like myself to do like really high-end in-depth photo shoots. Um, I believe that it's only going to, the demand is only going to increase for photographers like myself as legality happens nationwide and globally. Um, I think we are still at the beginning. I think there's plenty of opportunity for tons of people to get involved. I think there's more than enough clients and I don't think that there is enough really good cannabis photographers in the field right now. 
Does that cause any problems for your business, right? That it's not legal in some states? Um, Do you have to be paid in cash? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that is a major issue because um, no one can bank. I mean, I can. I'm just a photographer. Um, but my clients can't bank. So, say my client gets robbed of his cash and I was supposed to get paid. Well, then I just don't get paid. And that's happened multiple times uh, throughout my career. And then I get a bunch of cash and then I have to constantly be depositing that. I have, you know, cash on hand at certain times and it just creates like a bunch of like, you know, security issues. And it's just like a huge headache, honestly. Did we, did we just make you a target for robbery? <laughs> oh, Please contact no. Chris Romaine, who lives currently at blank, yeah. blank, blank street. <laughs> By the way, cash. just cash everyone. By the in. way, you, uh, you see this guy with this really nice photographer camera. You can rob him <laughs> for the camera and the money. I have insurance, folks. <laughs> oh, I man. Well, now they won't even feel guilty about it. Oh, great. You're still, great. You're still insured. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, that's all the questions I got. Is there anything else you think we missed or what's kind of coming up next for you? Um, I'm actually going to be going out to Oklahoma City, which is like booming for cannabis right now, surprisingly enough. Um, so that's going to be a pretty cool road trip probably in the end of June. And then I'll be back in Northern California for the harvest season. In October, November, I'll probably be in Santa Barbara throughout the year for some clients down there. And uh, I'll probably have to start working on the van again next winter because I don't think I'm going to get it done by June. So I want to thank Chris so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him or his business, Candid Kush, we have linked to both of them on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Instagram and Twitter. And we have also included his information in the episode description. Okay. Now let's go ahead and bring in John Shaw. When's the last time that you took a bath by yourself? Never. I've never, I haven't taken a bath as an adult ever. You don't think you can, you can't recall a single time that you have taken a bath. I mean, it's not even, it's, I don't even have to think about it. I know I never have. I'm pretty sure that I have also never taken a, a bath as an adult. I'm a bigger guy. So like, you know, it just, it just, I've never wanted to, I guess. How about a hot tub? Are you a hot tub man? <laughs> I, I mean, I'll get into a hot tub. I mean, once again, it's only usually on special occasions. I don't have one. What kind of special occasion? Actually, I think the last time I was at a bachelor or at a bachelor in a hot tub was at a bachelor party. That's probably the strangest part of the bachelor party is getting into a hot tub with like 10 other guys. I, <laughs> I would argue that there's plenty of other uh, strange. Okay, and this is the part of the show where we bring up without any explanation that someone was shot <laughs> at one of, at John Shaw's bachelor party. And he had just gotten out of the hot tub. Okay, Had he actually just gotten out of the hot tub? That's, that, yes. Once again, no explanation, but that's why he had changed into his pants that had the weapon in them is because he had just gotten out of the hot tub and was changing into, at least that's what he said. I, I, you know, who knows? So do you think that you will ever take a bath? Like, could you see a circumstance in which you would ever just take a bath? I mean, probably not in the next 20 to 30 years. I think a grown man could potentially go 50 to 60 years without taking a bath. I mean, I'm probably 25 in right now, if not more. Yeah, I would be about 25 in as well. Okay, are you ready for your um, uh, shout-out stuff? Yeah, let's let's do it up. A at your request, I, I went with the same first initial. For... Oh, you actually did this? I forgot all about it. <laughs> and, of course, I picked the letter J. What do you say to other people when you, when you meet someone whose other name is John? Because John is a very popular name. Nothing. <laughs> I don't, to be honest, to, to think like, just to think quickly about it. I can't think of, uh, of another John that I met recently, uh, where I've been like, Oh, your name's John. My name's John. Let's, let's go into the hot tub together. What are you more likely to like strike, strike up an awkward conversation about somebody who has the same name as you, somebody driving the same car or somebody wearing the same shoes as you. 
probably the shoes. I think I'm a shoe really? guy. Yeah. I think I'm uh true story. I once I once stole a pair of my friend's shoes and wore them around and he had no idea until one day he was looking down at our shoes and he was like, Oh, those look familiar. When did you get those? I'm like, they're actually your your shoes. I stole them from you a, a year ago. Wow. That was really disappointing story. Okay, let's go, man. Let's hear this. Let's let's wow me away with all your J people. So I even have them in order. So we'll start off with Jacob Bracken. Uh, Jacob Blue, appreciate you. Uh, Jacob Bracken, Jaleel Nance, James Gage, and Jamie Johnson. Jessica Cunningham, Jim Doubt, Josh Fifield, Justin Chang, and Justin White. All J okay. names, one through ten. Appreciate you all. Nice job. <laughs> Ooh, man. You are you are glad something we, else. Glad we did that. I wish I, I could click in front of you because I would punch you in the in the goddamn face. <laughs> I know you're so <laughs> upset about that. You probably spent how much time did it take you to find all J names? I mean, just a little longer than usual. Twenty minutes. Oh, okay. So you minutes. really didn't put how much? 15, 20 minutes. That probably. seems like a ridiculous amount of time, actually, for that. Okay, anyway, um, so we're doing something new. Usually John has three questions about random stuff that he asks me. But now he wants to do something with current events. I said okay, but I refuse to answer any follow-up questions about how to do this. So let's just see what happens with his new current event. Yeah, so I thought we were doing two questions, so let's do those first because I have no Ooh, idea. You're building up. Okay, all yeah. right. Well, I have no idea what, what you're going to ruin here, so let's just get that's these out risky. of the way. Uh, this one's pretty easy. Would you rather be a uh, – rather a Ben, I should say, a background uh, dancer for a boy band group or for Richard Simmons? <sighs> well, Richard Simmons is timeless, Right. <laughs> You're paying a lot more attention to the backup dancers in a Richard Simmons video than you are in a boy band video because they're dominating everybody. I can mentally picture my head, both of those kind of videos, and I can't picture any backup dancers in the boy band video, but I can picture the backup dancers in the Richard Simmons video. So I would go with Richard Simmons. See, I, I would not knowing, uh, <laughs> not knowing how much uh, attractive those dancers are, how much men or women, whatever they roll with are, uh, I would I would choose to be a boy band backup dancer just because I would think you were surrounded by the opposite sex uh, all the time. But they're not, but the opposite sex isn't going to be, or whatever sex you're interested in, isn't going to be paying any attention to you. They're going to be paying, they're going to try to get with the hero, not the zero. If you're with Richard Simmons, like they don't want to get with Richard Simmons, <laughs> but you might have a shot. Like you're, 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 you're thinking about this wrong way. I'm going to take being the big fish in the small pond. You're okay being the small fish in the big pond. Cause I, I just, I don't think I don't associate and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe just thinking of this. I'm wrong. And thinking that Richard Simmons, uh, wasn't, wasn't looked wasn't at a sex object. as a sex icon or something. Um, I bet I would not be such. Okay. I'm not going to look this up. I have no evidence to support this. Okay, but I would not be shocked if Richard Simmons has made more money than some individual boy band members of some big bands. I wouldn't be surprised if Richard Simmons has made more money than like one of the Backstreet Boys or one of the members Ooh. of NSYNC. I wouldn't be surprised if he has. I'm not saying he has. I'm just saying yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, "All right, Joey Fatone's made twenty million. Richard Simmons made 25. I wouldn't be shocked if Richard Simmons is actually worth more money. I, I would agree with you. The more I, th I mean, I at first I was like, you're crazy, but I, I wouldn't surprise me either. Dude was what a staple of that. Like he was for a long a, time. Yeah, like a pioneer of that, whatever you want to call it, home exercise video scene. Also, his production costs are less. <laughs> he doesn't have to pay like whoever wrote what? the song, the producer of the song, the person who put the tour together. His yeah. production costs are right. Like, dude, I need a guy with an iPhone. <laughs> like, with, really, you could shoot that video with an iPhone. Oh, 100%. 100%. I wonder, right? when, when the, I wonder if he's done anything in the last 10 years. Oh, I'm sure he has. Dominate. That's what he's been doing. <laughs> no, 
Just think of how synonymous, though, his name is with that whole industry, that even people who he hasn't been relevant are putting out videos in 20 years, but everybody still knows who Richard Simmons is. He's still the guy. The only other person you can even refer to is like Billy Blanks or the Tybo guy. Yeah, for sure. Like the P90X guy ain't got shit on Richard Simmons. I mean, don't hate on don't hate on Sean T. He's he's created a niche for himself. Oh, is that P90X? Oh no, 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 that's something else. No, that's insanity. P90X is uh, right. Tony, it's a white guy. Yeah, Tony. Something I, I think. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's call him a white. He guy. looks like the most generic athletic white guy in the world. That's what I remember. Like, he's not actually the guy. They just like who's generic looking and athletic. You. <laughs> All right, you're the new P90X guy. We're. <laughs> He didn't even have a he didn't have a chance. They're just like we're, we're going to give you some weightlifting equipment and you're going to do it. You actually remember his clothing more than you remember him. Like I can picture his shorts in a tank top, but I have no idea what his face looks like. <laughs> uh, I I remember. I think his name's Tony Horton maybe. No. I, uh, I think that's a restaurant. <laughs> it's Tim Horton. <laughs> What's his name? Uh Long John Popeye? Oh man, don't you talk about her. Former official sponsor. A long time. All long right. Time. Uh, the other question I had for you is, uh, percentage-wise, give me just a, a, a roundabout number. Uh, how often are you to stop and donate uh, some money or whatever to folks standing outside convenience stores, grocery stores, or Girl Scouts? How, how often do you stop? You never stop. Never. Never. I have never stopped, and I never will. <laughs> I have never given anyone money. Not, not even like the Salvation Army or... Okay. I have never donated to anyone in that kind of a setting. Maybe Salvation Army back before credit cards and you had some loose change. Maybe. Yeah. But other than that, like I avoid the Girl Scout cookie thing. I'm not going to go that far, but I avoid it as well, yes. 100%. Right. Okay, what, wait, so what are, what's your percentage then? I'm not much better. I would say probably one out of every 10 trips maybe, which... Is what once you know once every two months. It's usually always in the winter. Like if I see a bell ringer out there, when it's like negative twenty degrees and they're out there, you know, busting their ass, I will. Uh, I'll be like, all right. I mean, not that I don't give other other times, but I normally don't. You know, put a dollar in in the in the bucket or or things like that. So all right. So I once again a full disclaimer on this. Nick gave me a little direction, but I, then when I, I was going to get to it, just get to I, it. So what do you think of, of the Havana syndrome? Have you ever heard of it? No. So apparently last, uh, last September or October, a White House staffer walking to the White House got some undescribed illness that they said might have been caused by like somebody. This is what you came up with? Hold on. Hold on. Oh Be- because God. they think there's a second case of this. And there's been what do you over... think about the Korean War? <laughs> no, this is way different. This is an illness that is undescribed that has affected 250 people around the world. Wow, they... so hardly anybody. But they, it's 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 all military or political type figures. I, I had no... listen. I had no idea what you were looking for. You know, I just wanted. I thought you were going to have some like current event thing that you wanted to talk about, not something that happened back in aught six. No, there's another case that's been diagnosed. Okay, what did they get diagnosed with? Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's causing this. So people are just getting sick. Yeah, they're just. just fucking... Oh wait a minute! Is this the thing where they think they're like shooting people with like ray guns yeah, or something or sound devices? Me... Yes, but you didn't let me get to that. Oh, well, I think we should probably figure this out. It seems like a problem. If somehow our government diplomats are going over to whatever country and just randomly getting sick and then coming back, that seems like a thing that we as a government should probably try to figure out. Like, hey, let's get at least a couple of people on this whole thing. This has failed. I was also going to bring up I was also going to bring up cryptocurrency. Ooh, see, why didn't you bring that up? I don't know I, what it is. To me, that's just one of those things like, look, this is this is going to be the hot new thing for a little bit, but eventually the bottom is going to drop out. It, to me, this is like soccer in the United States where, no, man, it's going to be the next big thing. 
It's going to be the next big thing. I'm telling you, it's going to be the next big thing. It's going to be the next big thing. Next year, next big thing. Cryptocurrency taking off. It's taking off. It's going to go. And it's just never going to happen. I mean, Elon Musk pretty much just destroyed, right? What was it, Bitcoin? Right. And he was the guy who was for yeah. it, right? Yeah, he was the guy. But use it to buy my cars and everything else, and I'm going to take my money out, $200 million plus worth, and tell you how bad it is. I would say that just if you're looking at something, you're never going to be able to establish something as mainstream when nobody understands what it is. Where do I get it? Can I go to the cryptocurrency ATM? It's just never it's, – it's never going to happen. It, it, I can't – I'm not smart enough to – I think I get it, but I'm not going to try to explain it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just like – it's made a lot of people a lot of money and we'll see where we go. I, I, I don't know what else but to say But has it made a lot of people a lot of money? I think it's made a couple of people a lot of money. But here's the thing with any of that kind of stuff. By the time that you find out about it, it's already too late. Like it's already over. You already missed it, right? By the time you hear that Apple stock is up 5,000%, it's too late. It's like the GameStop stock, right? By the time you heard about it, you were already too late. Yeah. It's over. It's You're over. absolutely correct. Which I just I don't, I mean, maybe there's always some fad thing. And there's very, like, look, for every Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, there's a ton of other failed ones that just went nowhere. Because it's really hard to break into the mainstream, and I just don't think that, like, what? All right, let's let's see the United States or Swiss Bank come out and be like, you know what? It's cryptocurrency. Like, how do you get those people involved in it? Because you do have to have the backing of mainstream society, and I just don't see how people are going to do that when they don't even know what it is. And something is labeled dog coin. Like, hey, you want to invest in dog coin? No, man, I got kids. It's actually uh, Dogecoin, but it does have a dog on it. My, so, anyways, that daughter. wasn't a complete failure with with well, absolute... the beginning was atrocious with Havana syndrome. <laughs> what do you think about the Mets winning the eighty-two World Series? Well, I mean, I didn't want to ask you about certain political can we, things. Can we, can we talk about something else here, real quick? Sure. For people who 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 don't who are just listening and can't see this, John has his hat on backwards, and he's a thirty-five-year-old man, correct? Uh, thirty-three. 33-year-old man with a backwards hat. Thank you. I'll be 34 this year. It's not acceptable. <laughs> Do you want me to turn it around? There's an age where you can't. What is the age cutoff for turning for having a backwards hat? There. Is that better? Yeah. Why did you ever put it backwards? I was working, and I and I don't know. I just had had it on backwards, and then I, I signed in to do this with, you know, to record with you and didn't put it on the right way. Okay. I don't mind a front or a backwards hat. I don't like it when it's off to the side, you know, or or like mm. half, half on your head, half not kind of thing. How do you how do you feel about the straight brim versus the curved brim? I mean, I I don't care, but I I think I mean I've always been a curved brim guy, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you have to have a unique shaped head to have a straight brim. Doesn't look right on everybody. It's a harder it's a harder look to pull off. I would say that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. You show up to a work meeting with a backward hat. Okay. You're getting, yeah, you can get promoted to that job right away. America. <laughs> it's not even America. It's like... America. All right. Are you ready for a top five? I, I'm, I'm here, ready to go. Okay. So our top five is top five snacks. Uh, so my number five, I have popcorn. Number five for popcorn? Yeah. Have you not been to a movie? <laughs> I, what else are you gonna put like that's popcorn has to be on the list but i don't think it's at number five number five is where you're starting to run out of even snacks no i don't think i so. don't think so i think popcorn is a i think popcorn is is definitely a top three if not a top one or two well let's let's see what, what what's your number five i i put this here because i don't really feel like it fits into a kind of snack necessarily but a cheese it i don't know what kind of snack that would really be but a cheese it like snack would be my number five so because it's not a chip so a baked not cracker so a baked cracker oh, a cracker i forgot about cracker jesus christ cracker okay but a, a good cracker not like a wheat thin there's a place for wheat thins yeah in the garbage <laughs> Place for wheat thins. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> You're so angry, okay. man. 
Well, I just look. I'm a man. I'm a connoisseur of snacks. I like my snacks. I don't want somebody coming like I am in Super Bowl, big game. I got wheat thins. <laughs> Guess you're gonna take them back to your house because that's where you're gonna be watching the game and not with me or anyone having any fun. You know what's funny is Nick will actually do that to you too. So be careful if he ever invites you over. Well, don't be don't be inconsiderate and come over with that crap. <laughs> I don't, so you don't have to worry about it. Right? Then you don't. All right, my number. F- <laughs> okay, what's your number four? Um, I have uh, Ruffles potato chips, but like any kind of crinkly, you know, wavy potato chip. Um. But you have chips as a whole somewhere else on the top five, right? I don't. I mean, I, I'll i just put chips as my number four. We'll put chips as my number four. But specifically those kind of chips. I can – I mean, I think that's pretty low for chips, honestly. I think that's – I don't see how that's higher. I, I want to see what you've got up higher on your list because you are gotten some pretty heavy hitters towards the top here. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. All right, I just have mini anything. Okay. Like mini pizza bagels, mini cinnamon rolls, mm, okay. mini bagels. Anything that is a larger thing condensed into a more miniature size, I think is a good thing. That's that's not bad. I mean, yeah. I don't go that's anything pretty... mini. So I like it big. Except, yeah, I know you do. Especially. Oh, oh boy. I'm sure you do. Oh. <laughs> All right, what's oh. your number three? Uh, speaking of, uh, I have uh, bagel bites as my number three. I, I can I consider that to be in the mini category for me. Otherwise, I probably would have had bagel bites up there. Now, do you put? Now, wait a minute. When you talk about bagel bites, are you talking about specifically ba- pizza? Is there any other flavor of bagel bites besides pizza bagel bites? I mean, I've had it, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna stay with pizza bagel bites as as the as the flavor. What's the other kind of bagel bite that's not a pizza bagel bite? I've had like breakfast pizza bagel or uh, or bagel bites, you know, like they have egg and sausage and cheese on oh. them. Oh, it's pretty delicious. That could be good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't put that above pizza bagel bites, but I would try that. Okay. I would go with some breakfast. Ooh, I would also include on my mini list, mini corn dogs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Throw it down a, I'll throw it out a corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. All right. Anyways. You, one thing you take is a lot of meat in your mouth. Oh, boy. Uh, my number three is... Oh, boy. My number three is cheese. I uh, consider cheese... Cheese by itself, if eaten by itself, is a snack. Cheese well, might be the most... Most... What's the word that I'm looking for? Where you can use it in different situations? When is the last time that you just had cheese this morning what do you mean you've never just eaten cheese by itself i have but i see i I think that's kind of absurd to have that on the uh on the on that high for sure but like on the list at all just cheese you're gonna tell me you don't get like shredded cheese you don't walk into your freezer or your fridge and just get you a handful of shredded cheese and take it yeah yeah i mean i of course but i i i'm just saying i wouldn't put it on on my top Anything. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying, though, if you're having I go to the Super Bowl party, right, and you've got all the different snacks laid out. Nobody's going to complain about having a plate of cheese out there. That's going to get eaten pretty quick. <laughs> I just love how you you don't need to get defensive. I, I agree with you to a certain extent on this one. OK, well, you seem to be coming at me with a lot of fire right there for somebody who agrees with me. Uh, what's your number two? Uh, nuts. <laughs> You're going to put nuts above cheese. You're yeah, going to give sure. me a nuts are pretty. What kind of nuts? Uh, like I, I'm a I'm like a spicy roasted like kind of guy. So anything spicy with, uh, you know, whatever. OK. All right. That's good. That's what you like. Spicy nuts. Uh, my number two is popcorn. Okay. I mean, listen, you know I'm all for it. But you had it at number five, which means you're not all for it. I am. I love popcorn. kind of means you're against it, honestly. It does not mean I'm against it. Do not what listen flavor, to the word. What flavor popcorn are you going to go? Uh, I mean, I usually start off with just butter, but I buy those uh, those salts, you know, or those seasonings. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you should do either extra butter or I'll do like uh, jalapeno or something spicy. How do you feel about that caramel stuff? 
I, d- I don't like uh, I'm not a big caramel fan in general, so mm, no, that's the worst kind of popcorn, yeah. especially yeah. as you get older. That gets less and less good. <laughs> but cheese is fine. Cheese is good, man. Cheese is always good. Yeah, cheese is always good. Cheese is the best flavor of pretty much anything. What's your number one? Uh, pizza rolls. God damn it. I forgot about pizza rolls. But pizza rolls to me would go into the mini category again. That, I mean, sure, I guess. I mean, I pizza rolls are fantastic because, one, they don't take that long. Two, mm-hmm. there's so many varieties. And three, I, you just feel like you get your money's worth. They're, you can dip them if you want or you can eat them by themselves. You can make 15 if you've had something to drink or maybe some other something. 15 can turn into 25, maybe the bag. How many times have you eaten a whole bag of pizza rolls? I actually have never eaten a whole bag to myself. Yeah, that's probably a lot. Well, wait a minute. Are you buying Costco-sized bags? Are you buying the regular grocery store-sized bags? <laughs> the regular-sized bags, man. I don't... Okay. Um, <laughs> you come home with like a five-pound bag of pizza rolls, and you're like, I'm never eating the whole bag. I've had four pounds of pizza rolls. This is yeah. the guy, let's mention this without no explanation, that once ate four pounds of smoked sausage in 20 minutes. My number one is chips. The fact that you didn't have playing chips on there is a ridiculous statement by by you. I don't really like uh, well, no. Let me let me rephrase that. I do like plain chips, but I I like like the ruffles. I like the crinkly kind. I don't like just plain chips like just the, the regular then chips. How do you feel about Pringles? Not a big fan of Pringles. <sighs> Pringles is like its own kind of chip, right? It's like just, there's people who like chips and then there's people who like Pringles and they don't really go together very well. Pringles is actually even almost by itself in its own section in the grocery store. I'm just like, get the- I mean, it's next to the chips, but it's not with the chips. You're never going to find like when you go to the grocery store, you're never going to find the aisle starts with chips. Then it goes Pringles. Then it goes to more chips. Pringles is always isolated on the sides of the chip aisle. Is it not? Yeah, you know how earlier you were talking about like if someone shows up at your party with something, you're like, get the yeah. fuck out of here. Someone shows up at a party of mine with Pringles, get the fuck out of here. Right, but right. it's just they're perfectly good. It's just not acceptable. Yeah, it's not acceptable. That is interesting about grocery stores. We need to talk to somebody who runs a grocery store about why they don't. Have you ever seen Pringles in the middle of the chip aisle? <laughs> they're always on the sides. I mean, not not that I can recall, no. But also, I think it's because of the way the shelves for chips are, and the way that Pringles have to be put on the shelves is different because they're not in bags. Obviously, they're in canisters. Mm, that makes sense. You would have to adjust the whole schematics of the chip aisle to accommodate having Pringles in the middle. So, really, what we just—I feel like what we just got—we just is answered that it. Pringles are like the prima donna of chips. They need their own special thing, or they're the utility player because they can go anywhere. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm done. <laughs> who, who do you think is the prima donna of the chip world? Like, who's the fancy chip? Like, you go over to somebody's house and they got this kind of chip, and you're like, "Ooh, you spent some money." You know, I I, I do kind of think that way. Like, if I show up and someone has Doritos, I'm like, "Man, mm, they, that's they, what I was gonna say." Because Doritos are never really on sale that I that I can remember. I can't think of I can't think of a time when I saw Doritos on sale. You can usually get Ruffles like any kind of Lay's potato chip is generally on sale. Yeah. Doritos is never on sale. You're right. Yeah, man. Oh, it's a shame. Yeah, Doritos is definitely some of the ooh Doritos. Yeah, they are. What's in your? You got anything in your honorable mention? Uh, my. I mean, I have ice cream. Ice cream's uh, not a snack. I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I don't, I have, I have chocolate and I have some candy bars, but like, I I don't really eat those. So there's, there's pretty much not really any other snacks, honestly, when you think about it, not really, not solely dedicated. Oh, pretzels. You can go pretzels. Yeah, they're okay. Uh, Pretzels are fine. Not, I'm not a favorite, not a favorite. I'm a, I'm aware of pretzels, but at no point in my life would I ever like buy a pretzel. I would eat them if they were at somebody's house, but I would never go out and buy a pretzel. I mean, you give me a soft pretzel with some cheese. Now we're talking. Outside of a baseball game, though? Yeah. Only. Actually, give me mini pretzels, mini soft pretzels with the dipping sauce, and now we're talking. 
I would actually, I mean, that's because of the only kind of other kind of snack that I can think of, but I'm not going to put them in my honorable mention because that's how low I think of pretzels. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. It's hard to beat chips. I mean, pizza rolls are good, right? Nobody's going to make a sane argument that pizza rolls aren't good. But are they better than chips overall? I don't think so. I mean, an individual pizza roll could be better than the chip. But it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't beat it overall, in my opinion. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.